The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all across the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert. Today in our program, we want to continue to talk about the principles uh, that help us in our engagement as a church people, our engagement of the culture of politics, so as not to politicize things, but to also uh, fulfill our role as being a part of God's preserving moral voice in the culture for the sake of the culture, as well as for the sake of the church. A couple weeks ago, we talked about, you know, we're going to have to change the narrative and the narrative is that the church is kind of the enemy of progress because it has this moral worldview, this ordering worldview. God created the world. God ordered the world, and the Ten Commandments uh, apply to all people. And that's actually for our good as well as for the good of others. Uh, and then how to talk politics, we talked about that last week, you know, just because there are a few things that, that God says when you're talking about politics, it's about what should Caesar do generally. And the Bible talks about a few things he's supposed to do, and we should all be in agreement on that. But then there's a lot of things we can agree to disagree on because we've been given incredible rights and opportunities to to live free lives. And and we can disagree on things and still be faithful to God. But there are a few things, and that's one of the reasons why religious liberty, the sanctity of life, the institution of marriage as a religious liberty uh, issue, and also educational freedom. We should be able to educate our kids in the virtues and the moral worldview that's necessary to deal with the kinds of challenges and information that are coming at us today. And so we we have we speak as one voice in these things in in the public arena, but we have a lot of opportunity uh, for uh, ways to agree to disagree and get along well with each other. And so today we got to face what I think we're really up against, and that is I call it the secular pietism identity politics that's undergirding so much of our chaos today. And I just say it right up front. This is not liberal versus conservative. Classic liberals and and conservatives believed that there were fundamental truths in life that were bigger than us, that were objective. They would probably agree with the Ten Commandments. They just would probably disagree with how, how much of it to publicly enforce or how. The people we're dealing with today and the cultural movement we're dealing with today that's undergirding so much of the chaos in our world, it's called, it's a secular. I call it secular pietism, secular puritanism. It's almost a religious worldview against God, if you will. And basically what it's saying is there is no truth. The only, people, the only truth, the only source of truth is oneself, and we'll get into how, how destabilizing that can be for a culture. That's not rugged individualism. That's not the individualism that our founding fathers said when they talked about you know, individual life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It was always within a moral, ethical, virtuous framework. And so that's what we're up against today, and there's a political metastasizing of that. 
uh, secular pietism, and it, it, it comes out in multiple ways, identity politics, uh, the racialization of its CRT, um, you know, we're, we're dividing ourselves into all these different power groups because we're saying there is no truth, there's just power, and, it's kind of, and we'd create an us and versus them mentality, and there's no truth that calls all of us to account. That's what we're up against. Now, if you want to read more about it, there's some good books out there. The Gathering Storm by Albert Moore, Moeller, I mean, excuse me. Uh, Bad Religion by Russ Duthot and uh, The Diversity Delusion by Heather McDonald. I love McDonald's stuff. She brings sociological data to bear on all these issues because a lot of people hide behind good intentions but actually are hurting the very people they say they're helping with a lot of this identity politics stuff. And by the way, she's not a Christian, so I didn't know that. I, I, a lot of her, her information is very helpful to kind of the Christian worldview about things, but she says she's not. And then, of course, our own uh, Gene Veith, Post-Christian, A Guide to Modern Thought, Modern Fascism is another book he's written. I think it'd be well worth your read. Something ominous is coming, and I would just say, in my work in Washington, uh, no, it's here. And, and it's trying to, to create a government coerced application of what I call secular puritanism or secular pietism. And so in that sense, it's, it's an uh, overestimation. Uh, let's just put it this way. There can be healthy piety. When you know that there's things bigger than you, when you're striving for virtue and you're striving to do the right thing, there's truth, there's love, there's service, and there can be a piety that honors that. A pietism is the overestimation of the worth of one's piety, whether it's to God or just to yourself. I mean, Jesus told the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector uh, for that reason, right? Uh, because he didn't see that his, even his good deeds were not as grand as he thought. But secular pietism goes even further. It's now just my deeds on my terms. And, of course, that kind of person, it's a diminution of God's gifts. We don't give God any credit. Isn't it amazing? People don't even want to have Thanksgiving today because they don't think there's anybody to be thankful to except to themselves. That, that's secular pietism in action. The exaltation of one's deeds and the denigration of those who fail to live up to your standards. And, of course, if you have these standards, everyone else is supposed to abide by them. Uh, that's called cancel culture. So that's the issue today. And we see that in issues like uh, transgender rights, for instance. I was just reading uh, an article in the Washington Stand. It said, biological men have won 30 women's sports titles since 2003, identifying as women. And then it goes on to talk about some of these world championships, uh, the 2019 National Championship for Best pre- uh, Bench Press, uh, then the N- NCAA 400-meter uh, hurdles, Division II, 100 and 200-meter uh, meets and in, in, in state championships. And it goes on and on and on. And, of course, you know all the swimming stuff, too. But on top of that, um, biological males are allowed now to inflict themselves into female locker rooms and all these kinds of things, and it's denigrating the very thing we had fought for by emphasizing the co-equality of men and women, but the differentiation. Wow. You know, again, so you think about all these kinds of things. Well, here comes an ideology that says even the science, XXXY, I can say, nah, I am what I say I am, no matter what. And the chaos that ensues from all of that. You know, when you think about this whole ideological movement, it kind of goes back to just me 
and and that's postmodernism and that's identity politics and then we root that kind of identity politics finally not in a healthy thing about god who creates us god who redeems us but the state which coerces my worldview uh, over yours so the solution is never government to all the issues we're dealing with. I mean, there's legitimate issues we're dealing with that we'll probably have for the rest of our life, but it's, it's never government-empowered secular pietism. And I would just say the Christian worldview says the government is, is to be limited because it's coercive in nature and so limited to very basic things, like it's supposed to be the referee for all of us, same rules for everybody, but that's it. The rest of it we've got to do in benevolence and in freedom and in service to one another, and we're going to speak God's truth in love. And that's God's truth differentiates the coercive power of the state and the power of free people to love and to serve one another in truth. And if you don't do that, you get this cockamamie, secular, pietistic, benevolent state, which is usually the foundation of fascism and tyranny. So again, as we talk about this, the bigger issue, and it's one that we're dealing with all over the place, is secular pietism that now is metastasizing into our politics. And a couple of things that it does, it attacks legitimate authority. It attacks any legitimate authority outside of ourselves. So who do I have to answer to? Nobody. Just think about what it'd be like to raise a child like that. I don't have to answer to you. Well, again, Chances are they'd get into so much trouble because they don't have the maturity to even see the dangers that are all around them. That's why they need to be parented. But this attacks all legitimate authorities. It displaces the Christian worldview. And the Christian worldview, what is it? It puts the government in its limited, proper place and sets the religiously motivated, virtue-seeking citizen free to solve their own problems. Well, the the, the obverse of that, or the, of the reverse of that, is this Darwinism, secularism, Anglo-supremacism that's built not on the foundations of these biblical truths, but and there's a diversity version of this Anglo-supremacism today, because it's all built on the secular notion of survival of the fittest. And I think it's even hiding behind the civil rights uh, movement today. But it's displacing the Christian worldview, which is foundational to our freedoms. Uh, the displacement of parents. That began with the jettisoning of fathers, you know, back in the 70s, and look what havoc it's wreaked on fathers and households and children, and um, the answer that the, these secularists give is abort the kids. Man, I'm telling you, this is this is not a way to freedom. This is a way to, to further bondage. The displacement of the church has a moral voice in community. They're doing that to us. They're trying to make you know, make a mockery of the church. And the church has its own faults. We're sinful people too, but the moral voice of the church, the moral voice of the scripture. Again, the founding fathers understood you can have no just law that violates the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is an objective standard. It's a standard that holds all the people accountable. It's not only written in the scripture, the scripture even says it's written in the human heart, and we see this demonstrable reflection of the Ten Commandments in virtually every society in the world. We've got a Friday op-ed that's coming out. Uh, for those of you, we, we have this thing called the Word from the Center, and on Mondays you get a devotion from us, and then on Fridays you get a op-ed, a two-kingdom view of some of these issues. So if you want to subscribe to that, lcrlfreedom.org, you'll see that button to subscribe. But one of the things we're going to write on is, and it's titled this, You Can't Legislate Immorality and Be Blessed. 
You know, a lot of times the church is accused of legislating its morality. Well, folks, all legislation has a moral base. The only question is, is it good policy based on foundational moral principles that are defensible for all? And so we kind of talk through that in that op-ed if you want to take a deeper dive into that discussion. And then finally, the secular pietistic worldview, it finally is ultimately to displace the authority of God in our culture. And so the God is dead movement of the 1960s. Remember that? They, they had the audacity to put a God is dead on the, the, um, on the cover of Time magazine. What an arrogant culture we are. For those of you Nietzscheans out there, uh, survival of the fittest. Man, if, if we devolve into that, uh, there's going to be chaos and brutality like you've never seen before. So secularism is this notion that we had nobody to answer to other than ourselves. And if that coalesces, coalesces in, in kind of state power, um, it, it basically puts power in a small group of people. Well, that's usually foundations for tyranny and fascism. So what happens when secularism, pietism, identity politics are linked? Well, um, the pietism that was healthy once rooted in faith and faithfulness to a higher authority is now wedded with this radical autonomy of the secular individual, owes no allegiance to family, church, God, only to self. And the government becomes the power uh, to silence all those who speak thou shalt not, to the contrary. So if you're having trouble talking to people about some of these things, this is kind of take back the narrative time. Uh, Don't allow yourself to be categorized. And and by the way, folks, it's not liberal versus conservative. It's secularists versus all of those who believe that there are foundational principles that apply to all people. Um, generally speaking, the classic liberal believed in foundational truths, and it, and we even believed in maybe the foundations of the Ten Commandments at one time. Uh, maybe we didn't believe in the same way to apply it or things like that or the power of the Ten Commandments to save and all that, but we believed that they were legitimate authoritative words in our lives. But no more. These what we call secular progressive leftists, they only believe that there's power and they only believe that the ones in power are right, if you even want to use the word right. So what was once a dialogue is now a battle, uh, and it's, it's no longer a dialogue. It's, it's a delegitimation, humiliation, intimidation. We've got to push that back. We've got to say that's just we're not going to accept that, that view of modern society. We're not going to accept that view of civility. It's no longer a conversation from their point of view, but a radical conversion. You will be converted whether you like it or not. No longer a live and let live view of politics. You know, it's interesting. (laughs) We're a conservative church, but we're the live and let live people today. Isn't that amazing? Uh, I would have never categorized the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod as the live and let live people. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, we're willing to agree to disagree on many, many things. Um, The modern secular pietist is not. It's acquiesce or be silent. No longer a cacophony of voices committed to civil engagement, but one voice that drowns the others. And damn the consequences full steam ahead. So The Gathering Storm, that's a good book for for looking into some of the ramifications of this. Um, But what do we do? How do we engage this? Well, first of all, we've got to have two kingdom understanding of this. First of all, government, these kind of issues, it's about what do we think Caesar should and should not do. And the Bible actually differentiates 
this from God's saving work. So if you have this view that the government can save us, you have this view that our efforts like this are going to save us, no. The government is, to, is civilized. We should basically have righteous laws that we all hold to and we're all you know, uh, held accountable to these things by honest referees. That's all we need government to do. And sometimes Christians have been lured into this false narrative because these secularists talk about government as a benevolencing agency. And to me, that's an oxymoron. If you think that the government can do benevolence, you don't understand benevolence. You don't coerce people's money away from them and give it to another and call that benevolence. So don't talk this way. Don't talk liberal conservative. Talk about secular and and people who believe in, in moral truths, okay? And so, again, I, I believe this is a secular state encroachment into the work of the church. And if you're not a church person, it's into the work of free people who are supposed to be uh, motivated um, by morals and ethics and virtue in how they serve and care for each other. It's kind of the new form of Marxism in our midst. So we've got a couple of things to say. First of all, we're not the kind of people who think that that. Even if we get politics right, we know it doesn't save us. That's still the message of salvation is what God does for all people in the person and work of Christ. And there's only one way we're ever going to be pulled together and held together, and that's by what God has done for us all, God in our midst, God's love in our lives uh, that changes our hearts and turns us towards one another in love, faithful to him. You look at two two big issues, two big events in the Bible. You got the Tower of Babel, where God blows us all into um, different tribes. Why? Because He doesn't want us sinful people to all get together and do things as one. That would destroy us. And the only event that pulls us all back together is not something we do. It's not something Caesar does. It's not something government does. It's something God does through the person and work of His Son. Now, when it comes to all the other stuff, you know, the Caesar's kind of stuff, America, I think, is the best. Of what's left. If God doesn't save through government, well, what is he supposed to do? Well, Americans took this whole concept of freedom and said, well, we think the government has a role, but it's got to be limited because the coercive power of the state in the hands of sinful people will always destroy freedom for everybody. So they limited the state, they gave it a few things to do, and then they said, but you should be motivated by your faith, you should be self-governing, and you should try to serve your neighbor um, out of your relationship to God. And that's the American experiment. That's That's their version of differentiation of church and state. And I would say that reflects probably more the biblical worldview of this, because God doesn't—the state is is God's um, agency purely to keep all hell from breaking loose in, in this world, to keep sinners, you know, at least coerced into being civil for each other. And so we support the state's role to law and order and that kind of thing, because human beings can get much, much worse. Well, these secular Puritans, they don't believe there's any right or wrong. There's just power. And I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been in a place where the secular Puritans have taken over, take like Venezuela, for instance, a failed state where just a few people finally destroy everything because they're they're the secular pietists. Wow, you don't want to be there. And it's hard to share the gospel when people are running for their lives. So we believe that there are higher principles merely than self-interest. There are fundamental moral truths to life. There are more fundamental ideals for all people. And those can at least pull us together to a degree of civility. 
And I think that's what at least still is reflected in the American government. E pluribus unum, uh, the inherent dignity of every human being as created in the image of God that transcends government and that tells government, be, get, you know, you don't have rights in certain places. And then equal justice before the law, not tribe, not race, not class, not in economics. Identity politics is a rejection of all of that. So, you know, the implications, again, for today, this is what we're fighting against on the Hill. We're just trying to push back on that so that the church can get its message, its moral message out for the sake of the culture. And, of course, the moral message would cause, cause us to repentance and then faith in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We just want that to be unfettered. And I'm telling you right now, the identity politics people will not let that stand if they get the power to silence it. So the implication, all secular status movements challenge the public voice of the church. They, they, they say, God, there is no God and there is no moral uh, capacity, moral law that's above the state. Um, they challenge all views of morality as, as being authoritative outside of ourselves. And then I would just say the morality voice of the Bible is, is needed in culture now more than ever. With the arrogance of technology, just think of what happened at the pandemic and all the misery that was hoisted upon us when, when people with sanctified common sense said, wait a minute, um, you know, now we know herd immunity was the right way to do it. And all those epidemiologists uh, from the Barrington document, I signed on to that document. All that stuff was right, but those people were demonized. Uh, remember, trust the science, not the scientist. Be skeptical. Uh, use your sanctified common sense. Use your moral perspective to say, is this the right thing to do to people? The arrogance of amorality, the debasement of family. We, we've got to push back on that because once our freedoms are lost and once the power to tell us what to do is rooted in that secular pietistic state, wow. Um, and then, of course, state-centered secular pietism, identity politics, it finally, here's my biggest argument, it fails to empower uh, those it claims to serve. <laughs> See the book, The Diversity Delusion by Heather McDonald. Uh, it, it destroys entrepreneurialism, it destroys initiative, it destroys self-discipline, destroys the family, and it ultimately destroys your identity because the state could care less about you, but God in Christ does. So uh, Mike Gonzalez from Heritage Foundation said this, um, we do not have to accept the categories, the discourses of privilege and victimhood and politically loaded terms like minorities, diversity, persons of colors, identity, politics, etc., etc. They came up with these terms. The identity collectives have done nothing to alleviate the very racial discrimination, social injustice, poverty, illegitimacy that continue to exist, and they were never intended to. We can jump into this debate with God's two-kingdom voice, a balanced voice in culture, proper limited role of the state, a proper role of what law and order can do for us, and then a proper view of benevolence that can actually help the very people that, that cannot necessarily help themselves. So again, when we think about this, I think the two kingdoms differentiation, God's limited role of what state and Caesar can do and God's maximal role of what free people can do, especially free people motivated by their faith, in, you know, faithful to God and in service to neighbor. That's the kind of freedom that, that we've been given in America, but that freedom is the deeper view of that freedom is that which the Bible says in the Scripture. 
So uh, contend for the moral ordering of, of the world, God's moral ordering of the world for the sake of culture. That's, that's what's being challenged, and it's being even translated as hate speech from this new secular pietistic perspective. You've got to push back on these things and then contend for liberty, the liberty to share your faith without fear. Now, here's some good news. I think I told you this uh, on one of our radio broadcasts before. Kelly Shackelford of First Liberty said it this way, we are living in the time with the most religious liberty protections in our lifetime. But too many Christians have been browbeaten to think that God's word and God's moral voice and, and, and their voice is not welcome in the public square, that it's still somehow illegal. God has blown open the jail cells but if we sit in the jail cell and refuse to, to go out in freedom and speak this word in truth, that's another way where we self-censor and self-silence, and that's on us. So to that end, you're free. You're free to serve. You, you have li- religious liberty to do such a thing, but it's God's moral voice and God's gospel voice that are needed in this world more than ever, and that's what we bear. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash lcrlfreedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 